On this week's episode, we take a Mother's Day trip to Boston and get a crash course in how not to parent from the local gangbangers, junkies, and corrupt cops in Dennis Lehane's Gone Baby Gone and its 2007 Baby Affleck film adaptation. But we ask the question, what did the movie do with the other two thirds of this story? And also, just because Morgan Freeman can play God, doesn't mean he can be cast as anyone. Content warning for this episode, we'll be touching on topics such as child abuse and neglect, drug use, and rape. Welcome back, everyone, to Read, Watch, or DNF. We're Mel B and Jackie D here. We we are plot-twisting our way through Mystery May. Last week, we kicked it off with the Mystery Queen, Agatha Christie's, and then there were none. And we set the, har- the bar super high with a podcast first five-star rating ever for a book. It was amazing. So amazing. <laughs> the best. But this week, we're just south of South Boston, about to talk about probably the worst mother ever on Mother's Day. It just today. happened to work out that way, too, because I don't it think did. we planned it. We definitely did not plan this. But when we were putting together this outline, I'm like, we're going to be recording on Mother's Day. And this book, whew, this mother, uh, cold standard for sure. It's a doozy. <laughs> this one is definitely going to be a doozy. So get a drink and settle in. And if you haven't already, please like, follow, share, rate, leave a review, check us out on social media because that's a thing now because we pay someone to take care of that for us. <laughs> but if you message us, we will message you back. We see that. We just, somebody helps us with our post because we're terrible at it. We're the worst. Uh, a special shout out actually to one of those fans. And I put fan in sort of like quotation marks because I don't want to be um, presumptuous. Let's just say they are a listener. If you if you consider yourself a fan, we love you. If not, it's okay. Just a listener. But uh, Christine on Instagram reached out to us and let us know that our uh, eighth episode on Spotify, so Bridget Jones's Diary was episode eight, only was playing about three minutes of it. It wasn't the full episode um, because we're idiots. And apparently we let this go for about a week and didn't even realize. Uh, So thank you, Christine. Thank you for helping us out and truly appreciate you listening. This week's F-bombs are going actually to Mel B, my mom. So shout out to my mom on Mother's Day. Our first ever episode is actually Jackie's mom. So shout out to her as well for Happy Mother's Day. But we're using... We're going to dedicate my mom this week because as I was reading this and watching the the movie, I realized there's some things that I remember. Uh, my mom being a single mom up in the Northeast, I grew up in New York and, it, you know, it wasn't the easiest. My mom by no means is like the woman we're about to talk about, but there's some things that come up and I'm like, that sounds oddly familiar. <laughs> so mom, this is for you. We love you, Mel's mom. <laughs> we love you, mom. We love you. But these F-bombs are for you. All right. Are we ready to talk about what we're drinking? Yes, always. I'm actually already a little tipsy, just a little, because today is Mother's Day. And um, per usual, I was taken out to the BJ's brew house with my husband's parents, his mother, Um, I actually got to the booth early and told the waiter I would like the pink Cadillac and to just keep them coming. Did you ever, did you ever watch how I met your mother? 
Uh, not a lot. I've seen episodes though. When uh, Allison Hannigan and what's his face, the really tall one, goofy looking guy. I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. When they're when they're getting married, they go to the place for the wedding, and she, he's running late. He can't get there or whatever, and she tells the waiter, "Just keep him coming. Just keep him coming." Yeah. That that. Please don't stop. That made me think of you. Yeah, he kind of gave me this look like, haha. And I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not laughing. Do I look like I'm laughing? He's like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't want to see the bottom of my glass ever. He's like, got you, I'm on it. Mm-hmm. So, and he was good. So shout out to I forget his name, the waiter, but he was great. I don't oh man, I, I feel bad. I, I'm kind of tipsy. I do forget his name, but he was a great waiter. So good. Good for you. You you helped me out. Uh, so I started off with several pink Cadillacs, and then when we got home. I uh, cracked open a bottle of apple Moscato and uh, it's for no other reason reason. It's for no other reason than uh, we saw it at Target, And by we, I mean, Jackie, because Jackie is the one of this pair that finds things. I am completely oblivious. I'm really good at that. It. Apparently <laughs> you really are. And she goes, Hey Mel, look at this. It's Moscato and it's apple. And I'm like, that's amazing. I want it. And then, um, I couldn't even get it off the shelf because the way they stacked it was really weird. So Jackie got both bottles off the shelf for me. So thank you, Jackie. You're welcome. I'm here for you, Mel. I appreciate it. I don't know what I would do without you. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I'm drinking apple Moscato for no other reason than I'm impulsive. So here we are. Okay. Jackie. I am drinking Guinness because, you know, Boston, all the Irish. There are a lot of Irish names in this book, too. If they're not actual characters, then they talk about people like Hurleys and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, I got to do I got to do the Guinness. The other option would have been Sam Adams. But right now the seasonal is summer ale. And I'm not mm. a huge fan of it because it is very citrusy. And I don't like it. Well, I don't like beer regardless. So. I know you don't. Yeah, it's gross. Mm-hmm. Jackie and I were in Okinawa a while ago for work, and I went up to go to the bathroom. And when I get back, it was her job to reorder us drinks. And um, she made a mistake on the menu and ended up ordering me some beer. But actually, I, I did enjoy that beer. That yeah. was not bad. It was like some flavored, right? They put some flavor in it or something, some mm-hmm. Japanese thing. I don't know. It was weird, but it was fantastic. And then I think I made the mistake. I didn't realize it was a beer at first, and I put a straw in it. And it, I apparently beer explodes if you put a straw in it. Yeah, never drink beer through a straw, unless yeah, I didn't you want to get a chance to drink it. Yeah, unless you want to get really, really drunk, really, really fast, because it will go straight to your head. Yeah, I didn't even get. I just, I didn't realize at first it was a beer, and I put my straw, and I'm like, why is it just? It's just like a like your uh, high school, or not high school, like elementary science fair project volcano. Oh yeah, that's what happened. I put the straw, <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> like, oh my god, all over the table. <laughs> all right jack you want to talk about this drinking game yeah and i was actually surprised that i found one because with subject matter like this you normally don't find drinking games mm. but leave it up to our neighbors to the north the canadians oh we got another canadian one they do. yeah it, they the website is for everything yeah the website is drinkwen.ca. so love it thank you canada Oh, okay. And I le- I appreciate this one because they add an extreme version and they actually do the counting for you for how many drinks it's going to oh. be. Oh. But not for the basic part of it, just for the extreme version. So oh, okay. rule number one is anyone says Amanda. 
Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Which is the name of the little girl that was yep. kidnapped, abducted, whatever. <laughs> whatever. She's, yeah. she's gone. She's, she's gone. gone. Baby gone. Gone, baby gone. Thank you, Cheese, for that. Uh, anyone drinks or does drugs, which if you can't tell from Mel's intro, it happens a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a scene in the car. Anytime you have private detectives or cops doing stakeouts, there's going to be a lot of scenes in cars. Uh, rule number four is you see the news. And okay. rule number five is you see posters, photos, or footage of Amanda. Oh, now, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, for the extreme version, if you add a drink anytime they say the word fuck, you get an additional 55 plus drinks. Just for the f bomb? Yes. Okay, I'm not. I'm not totally shocked, but yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. So that is our drinking game for the week. Uh, obviously, I did not do that drinking game. Mm-hmm. If you want to, go ahead. It's not on us. We uh, so a good friend of mine. Um, we I was talking to him the other day, and he listens to this podcast, and he was talking about how. Instead of us just kind of going through the drinking game and leaving it at that, that we should put like a cat cam up for him and that he will do the drinking game and we'll just check in with him periodically through the podcast. I think it would be very, very humorous. (laughs) I feel like he just passed out. With some of these drinking games, yes, about a quarter of the way through, maybe. Devil Wears Prada? Holy crap. Oh, my God. You know what? Um... I think we should do that. I think if anyone really wants to see that, maybe we can do a uh, some videos or something and, and we'll post it. But let us know on social media. Reach out. Let us know if you want us to do that and we'll figure out a way to do it. And by figure it out, I mean Marina, our uh, social media manager, will figure it out because Jackie and I, we Jackie went to straight into training a bumblebee for last week's episode. <laughs> so we are, we are not... <laughs> We can't be trusted. Mindset. We can't no, be we trusted can't. with this. We we cannot. We got ourselves two full time working moms, like just your suburbia moms. We got banned off TikTok. Okay, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. No. <laughs> All right, let's get in to this story that we're talking about this week. So the um, I read first and I read my paperback and if if this is the first time you're listening you have to understand that I love a paperback I love a good hardcover if I were made of money my book my house would be made built out of hardcover books like that's just that's just where I'm at in my life um Jackie prefers the Kindle that's just what we do okay but also if this is the first time you're listening we the premise of this sh- this podcast is that we pick a book each week and it's adaptation and then we swap who reads first and who watches first so this week i read first while jackie watched the movie first and then we swapped and i watched it and then she read it and the reason we do this is to see if our perception or um, opinion or rating of the story changes and we decide who preferred what book or adaptation so this week I read first. I read my paperback. It is the Harper Perennial copy. It took me a minute to figure this out because I was like, what? There's so many different publications of this book. But this one, this cover that I have, the paperback with the um, 
guy running along the sidewalk next to graffitied fence. It's a very, I don't know, it's a very specific cover. <laughs> this is the Harper Perennial, which was published in 2010. And then I watched the movie on HBO Max. So I guess I watched it for free because I didn't end up buying it. But I guess essentially it's not free because we're paying for the HBO Max subscription. Yeah. I didn't pay more for it. Let's just put it that way. So I'm getting better. (laughs) Jackie, what'd you do? I watched on HBO Max. We actually watched it together. We did. Yeah. And I mean, I do have HBO Max, but since I was at your house anyway... Then we yeah, just said, watched. fuck it. I'm using yours. Yeah. Uh, and I read on Kindle HarperCollins eBooks. It was the EPUB edition, copyright August 2006. August. That's a great month. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, a podcaster we know and love was born in the month of August. The best month. Yeah. And my I brother, too. I can't wait too. for my month. Oh, true that, true that, true that. Yeah. I can't wait for my month. I'm going to just destroy Jackie's hopes and dreams on this podcast. And we've already, yeah, we've already planned out the rest of the year. So I'm not particularly looking forward to August or October. Or really kind of, there's a little bit of September. Just a smidge. Just a smidge. Because we go from my books to Stephen King to some more Stephen King. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, we're, we're doing two months of Stephen King with a little bit of Alice Hoffman just wedged right Jackie in Jackie begged for it. She's like, please, please, can we have a break? I'm like, fine, fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So let's talk about this book then. So it's Gone Baby Gone. It's by Dennis Lehane. Lehane? I think Lehane's um, good. And I think Lehane is good. He is actually the author of Mystic River. Uh, which is also another book to screen adaptation. That one was with Sean Penn. That is a, an amazing movie. I've never read the book, so I'm, now I'm curious if, if it's anything like this. I'm curious if my opinion is going to change. Um, okay, so this is the summary of the book. So if you're looking at the back cover or the summary page, this is what it says. It goes, the tough neighborhood of, I think it's Dorchester. Dor- it's like Georgia, Dorchester, mm-hmm. but I've heard on... Um, I used to watch like live PD and cops mm-hmm. and I think it's something stupid like Dorster or something, but anyway, don't worry about it. So we're just going to go with Dorchester for the rest of the Americans and English speaking people that are listening to this uh, is no place for the innocent or the weak. It's territory is defined by hard heads and even harder luck. It's streets are littered with the detritus of broken families, hearts and dreams. Now one of its youngest is missing. Private investigators Patrick Kenzie and Angela Gennaro, 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 something. Let's go with Gennaro. We're going to go with Gennaro. Don't come at us, all right? Names are not our strong suit, obviously. Uh, So Patrick and Angela don't want the case. But after pleas from the child's aunt, they open an investigation that will ultimately risk everything. Their relationship, their sanity, and even their lives to find a little girl lost. So that is the summary of the the book. It was originally published in 1998 by William Morrow and Company Incorporated. It is actually book four of a series. So this is like a uh, detective, private investigator type crime thriller series. And it is uh, like the Patrick Kenzie and Angela Gennaro. I think I'm going to Gennaro series. So this is book four. Um, I... 
I was looking at the other books to see if I wanted to read them because I was intrigued by this story and the OCD in me, when I found out that it was the fourth book in a series, like really kind of bubbled over and I almost had a mini anxiety attack because I was like, I didn't read them in order. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little stressed out about it. I, I've gotten over it to a point, but I, I it doesn't sit right with me. But anyway, I, I didn't feel like uh, reading this out of order or the fact that it is book four affected it anyway. I think there are some characters, maybe tertiary characters that you probably have met earlier on or understand a little bit better, uh, but I don't think it affected the book. So what about the movie, Jackie? Yeah, I was just going to say, I felt the same way because they mentioned some former cases and stuff like that, that obviously had a big impact on them, but I didn't really feel like I was missing anything from this story by not having read those. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So the movie, the summary is very short. I wish more reviews were like that. (laughs) Two Boston area detectives investigate a little girl's kidnapping, which ultimately turns into a crisis, both professionally and personally. Hmm. Yeah. It was written and directed by Ben Affleck. Uh, he had some assistance on the screenplay from a fella named Aaron Stockard. Uh, it's listed what? as, yeah, the it was Ben Affleck co-wrote the screenplay with Aaron Stockard. I don't know if Dennis oh. Lehane was consulted at all for it. Yeah, I'm going to go with no. I'm I hope, go with I hope no. to God not, because if Dennis <laughs> Lehane had anything to do with this script... He needs to seriously rethink how much he capitulates to people. Yeah. Like, why even write this fucking book if this yeah. is what, Anyway, you know what? Yeah. We digress. We're going to get into it. We're okay. going to get into it. Yeah. <laughs> it's listed as a crime, drama, mystery, and thriller. It was released in 2007 and rated R for violence, drug content, and pervasive language. Pervasive. Pervasive. And this is something I found on IMDb. They have taglines. So it's the little short things that they put on movie posters sometimes. Yeah. And there were two of them that I found. And I think we need to incorporate this from here on out. Because taglines? Yeah. I like these. (laughs) Yeah. The first one is everybody wants the truth, dot, 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 until they find it. Oh, what is that movie? It's like, you can't handle the truth. Uh, A Um, few good men. Yes, yes. (laughs) The second one, which I think is very disingenuous and misleading, which is hope begins where the secrets end. Because to me, in the book and the movie, there was absolutely no fucking hope. None. Yeah, no hope. No, there was for like a split second because you're like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And then they just like, no, fuck it. Fuck this hope. Yeah. I'm going to shit on this hope. I think that is very misleading. And I want to know what country that was the tagline in. Oh, true that. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, The budget was $19 million. Uh, Gross U.S. and Canada was around $22.3 million, and worldwide was around $34.6. So... Oh, this did not do well. No. It didn't even... It didn't even double the budget. I don't... Did you even make... I don't think that's a profit in the film industry. No. Mm -mm. Just because you went over what your budget was doesn't mean it's a profit. Because there's a whole bunch of other stuff. You have to pay everybody. Yeah. <laughs> fair that, fair. Damn, no, that did not do well. I want to know, this may be like our worst performing movie we've done. Possibly. We need to start keeping track. 
Yeah, I'm going to go back and look at our other outlines because this one seems really low. I know that um, High Fidelity did not do that well either, right? Yeah, and I think that was just intended to be an indie film. But with this, with Ben yeah. Affleck at the helm, and then you have Casey Affleck, his brother. Baby Affleck. Yeah, Baby Affleck. Uh, and some other huge names in this. Morgan Freeman. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Ed Harris. Ed yeah. Harris. Jeez. Yeah, uh, when we get to the casting, there's some huge, huge names yeah. all around. Yeah, yep. this is not a, a light film by any means. Nope. All right, so let's hop into the reviews then, our favorite part. Um, there were not short reviews. I did not find any concise reviews either. It's almost like people wanted to rewrite the book in their review, which we hate. Like, stop, stop. You can be witty and funny or profound in a few sentences you don't like, we don't need it if i just finish reading a book or i'm thinking about reading a book i don't want to read your book on the book okay your book report i don't need it i digress let's go so on goodreads remember we're only doing user reviews because we don't give a look what the critics say it got a 4.15 out of 5 which is pretty good actually uh that's 36,000, about 36,200 and so user reviews 37% of those were five out of five, 44% were four out of five, 15% were three out of five, 2% were two out of five. And actually there were no one out of five stars, 0%. So nobody read this book at a one. First review I found five out of five entitled, and then depression set in. This book wrecked me the first time I read it. It was almost like having post-traumatic stress syndrome. I found myself staring blankly at the walls for days after I finished it the first time. Okay, so wait, finished it the first time. That meant they went through all this and then read it again? Wow, you're a glutton for <laughs> torture there. I felt like calling my sister and telling her to keep my young niece locked in the house until she was at least 25. I remember meeting a friend for beer shortly after I finished it and that he asked me what was wrong. When I tried to explain, he was skeptical. You're really this bummed over a book? And yes, I was that bummed over a book. Okay, I'm not judging you for having that sort of reaction because Jackie knows uh, I get kind of emotional. There was one time, one of our books, it's not even a serious book, uh, one of our like fantasy ones that we love. There's a character that died and I was in bed sobbing hysterically to the point where my husband's like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, I can't, I can't do this right now. So I get it. I don't give any grief for the emotional, but I want to know why they went back and reread it. Yeah. I, uh, you and I both had uh, that a reaction to the end of that. Not the last next book in a series that came out but the one before that starts with a c mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh but that was a positive reaction but if i had such a negative reaction to a book to the point where you're saying it's post-traumatic stress syndrome yeah that's serious why would you put yourself through that again yeah i um i think you need to go talk to someone mm -hmm. yeah and maybe not this friend you met for beers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, five out of five. They loved it. But the fact that they loved it because depression set in, you know, to each their own. More power to them. Next one. Three out of five. For the most part, Gone Baby Gone is a by-the-book mystery. There are the wise-cracking detectives, the hardened police officers, the hints that things aren't just 
what they seem, it's all very familiar. What sets it apart from most other thrillers, though, is that it's not afraid to pose and leave unanswered complicated moral issues. For one, it's tough not to be against kidnapping, but then again, dot, dot, dot. Excuse me? What? What? What what is the flip side to that? (laughs) But then again, dot, dot, dot. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm missing your point here, dude. Well, okay. Given what happens at the end of the book. Yes. And you did start off by saying that this is the worst mother ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I might be able to understand where they're coming from, but at the same time. Oh, like maybe kidnapping was a blessing. Yeah. In disguise. Yeah. Okay, we are not condoning kidnapping at all in any form. No. Don't do it. Okay. Interesting. But then again, dot, dot, dot. No, whatever. All right. One out of one. I have two that these are funny to me. I like this next one. (laughs) Actually, I'm going to leave this one for last. I'm going to do the second one. Okay. So one out of one. I did not finish this book. I got halfway through and found I was having trouble following all the action. All the action. There's two action for them. Yeah. My question is, do others stop reading when a book is not delivering for them? Or do you keep going once you've committed to the book? I often tell my students to give a book a chance, at least the first three chapters, and then bring it back if it is not that good. I wonder what others think. So this isn't like, it's not so much a critique on the book. It's more like them just going, I couldn't finish it. I wasn't into it. It was too action packed. I just picture the way they're talking. This is some librarian somewhere. Yeah. It's just like, oh, and then, and then the follow up is, should I feel bad about this? Yeah. And, and I'm going to say this right now. No. No, you should not. Okay. Jackie and I are here to help you out. We're going to read those books and we're going to watch those adaptations. And so you don't have to finish it because we feel the pain. All right. There have been some books where like, uh, and it took a lot to stop. I finally just probably last year, I DNF my first book. And then it was like, I'm looking at you. I couldn't get enough. If I I read a book and then within an hour, Mm. I was just not feeling, I'm like, fuck this book. Throw it out. I actually finished all those because I was part of a yeah. book club for it. We're not going to trash on it because it's probably not the place, but that's a series that I wish I would have just DNF'd. Um, also, I, I really have no respect for that author at all. She's done some stuff that's highly questionable and I'm not one to be like, Oh, what you do in your personal life is going to affect how I take in your art um, or your craft. But she's one of those where I fucking hate her. Okay. I'm done with her. Whenever I see her post shit on social media now, I'm like that person that's, and, and I don't like to interact with people on social media, but I will, I will dive straight in to call her out on all of her <laughs> bullshit. And I love when people agree with me because I know I'm not the only one. And then I digress. So <laughs> we'll leave it at that. I did not DNF it because I was in a book club, but if I wasn't, I would have threw that shit in the fire. The fact that it's actually sitting on my shelf right now and I can see it in the camera behind me. I hate it. We should have a ceremony. Yeah, burn that shit. But I'm but too, maybe like, not burn it because that that brings to mind some significant parts of history. That yeah, don't burn books. Great. We don't do that. No, no, no. We don't burn books. No, 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 no. 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 I will donate this in the like little library thing. I will drive you to the Gainesville Public Library. Actually, in this neighborhood, we have that little um, share box thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'll put it in there. Maybe. I have to okay. think about it because I, I did buy them. So I get a little hoarder. I'll hold your, I'll hold your hand. <laughs> 
Where were we? Damn, we got off on a, a tangent there. Stupid Red Queen. Uh, the, the review. Oh, my last one out of one wrote this. Bless. This is great. Waste of time. Dot, dot, dot. My friend at work lent it to me. Now he is not my friend. <laughs> that is the review. <laughs> oh, goodness. This person did not like the book. Lost yeah. a friend over it. Um, yeah. I would say don't lose friends over books, okay? Everyone can have different opinions. You yeah. don't have to like the same thing. Okay. I mean, Mel and I have been fortunate enough that the books that she recommends to me, she I, I don't hate. I don't end our friendship because of it, but I think uh, some of my birthday month choices uh, might have trended towards that side. The, the books didn't, know. but the movies did. Okay. <laughs> the books were fine. If we particularly Mansfield Park. Fucking Mansfield Park. That's a movie I would mm-hmm. set on fire. Anyway. <laughs> I'll buy you a copy for your birthday just so you can burn it. Yeah. I would appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Or at least maybe like the movie poster. I'll print it out. Okay. All right. Jackie. So for the movie, we're going with IMDb user reviews, as we always do. It overall got a 7.6 out of 10. There were just under 270,000 total user ratings. Uh, 10 out of 10 got 8.1%. 9 out of 10 got 15.2. 8 out of 10 got 36.3. 7 out of 10 got 26.7. 6 out of 10 got 8.5. 5 out of 10, 2.7. 4 out of 10, 1. 3 out of 10, half a percent. 2 out of 10, 3. Uh, 0.3% and one out of 10 got 0.7. Okay. Uh, there are only about, I think what I, if I saw this right, there were only about 629 actual user reviews. Wait, how many? 629. Oh, that's not a lot. So it only 629 people felt the need to actually go into IMDb and write some text with their ratings. Hmm. Okay. So a 9 out of 10 that I found, because all the 10 out of 10s that I saw were kind of garbage and gave you the entire plot Oh, before yeah. <laughs> they said, I loved it. They wrote their dissertation on their review? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it was, the title was A Good Movie and a Good Book. I included this because I don't see how you can like both. The story drives me crazy because I can't help feeling for that little girl. This is a sign that the performances are really quite good. Casey Affleck plays a guy who is moral but tightly wound. His Catholic affiliations are always on the front burner. Do we as a society have a right to intervene when the parent of a child is just despicable? Is this grounds for trying to set things right? I think that was supposed to be a question, but they ended it with a period. I don't know. (laughs) No, this is a statement. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) I believe what is good about both the book and the movie is that there are no simple answers and we have to, at times, deal in some absolutes. Which kind of contradicts itself. No simple answers means that there have to be absolute. Well, simple answers are absolute truths. Yeah. Or absolutes. So they're functioning in a gray area right now the performances here are very good and i like that violence is not laughed off when affleck's character kills a man he is haunted by the image and fear for his mortal mortal soul 
There are, of course, more questions, but I am not going to throw in any spoilers. The performances are quite outstanding and touch at the heart. I don't want anybody touching my heart (laughs) or myself or my person, but, you know, whatever. (laughs) You keep your touching to yourself. I I agree with some of this review. Yeah. I think the performances were good, actually. None of the acting was They were. Yeah, they were. Given the material, the performances were great. But after having read the book, no. I mean, the performances are still good, but they didn't realize their full potential. Yeah. Yeah. The direction they took them was uh, different. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The next review I found was a 7 out of 10. And this was not the whole thing because this is one of those dissertations. But uh, it goes into later on on the review. And there were like three or four more paragraphs before this. However... Although the subject matter is treated well throughout most of the film, its fatal flaw is that it lets itself go in the third act. The plot twists and turns uh, three times toward the ends to lose nearly all credibility and then loses any that it had left for by landing on a truly unbelievable conclusion. Its focus on character is not lost, but it is still a disappointment to see such a light, tightly played drama unwind at the end. And then they had some bullet points. The stuff in the review... Oh, this is what I said. The stuff in the review leading up to that is just nothing but praise. The actors are amazing. They did such a great job. But I feel that this review was clearly written by somebody who had not read the book. Yeah, it does sound like the plot, the plot twists that they're talking about towards the end are essentially the same as they were in the book. Yeah, it's just I I can understand their uh, confusion because the the movie did not do it justice, and it makes mm-hmm. it seem like well oh there it is there's just we found this one or they went there it's like what no yep and then the final review I found was a one out of ten the title was worst movie of the year simply awful. <laughs> I saw several people walk out of the theater before it was over and was tempted to do the same. Miscasted, unintelligible, mumbled dialogue, nonsensical plot plot twists, boring, extremely convoluted, predictable, quote, surprise, end quote, ending. I went to see it based on critic reviews, but I'm totally baffled. (laughs) But I'm totally baffled by the high ratings it received. These critics have, in my book, lost all credibility. It's as if they are in collusion with the studio. They probably are. The studio paid them off. I've somehow. Uh, it's been a bad couple years of a bad couple of years for Hollywood, and the trend sadly continues. Nothing personal against the Affleck brothers. Bad movies sometimes happen to good people. <laughs> Sorry, Mister Affleck. <laughs> but the thing is, is Ben Affleck was responsible for the writing. Yeah. 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 So it kind of is his fault. And the directing. Yeah. So decisions did got did not get made without his approval, essentially. Yeah. It, uh, he, he fucked up. Yep, yep, yep. I don't know. Like it. Um, I don't know if I'd give it a one out of ten. Like, that's kind of harsh. I do know that when we started watching it, after I just finished the book, uh, I was... What, what was that flummoxed 
flummoxed was mm-hmm. the word that was yeah. the last review. Flummoxed, yeah. I was flummoxed. I was like, like within the first like 15 minutes of the book or the sh- movie, I should say, I was like, what the fuck is happening here? This, I don't mm-hmm. know what to do with this, but you know, whatever. We're, that's what we're about to talk about. All right, let's get into these characters. So Jackie and I go through who we believe the main characters are for our respective first goes. Since I read the book first, these are my major characters that I got from the book. Patrick, not Pat, though. He does not like Pat. Patrick. Angie, so Angela. Uh, Detective Brassard. Pool. I forget what his full name is. Like Nick Pool, but it has like a Greek last name. Um, I don't. I forget if he was a. I think he was a sergeant, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. Then we have Doyle, but he's Lieutenant Doyle. We have Lionel and B Beatrice, who are the uncle and aunt of the little girl that goes missing. Helene, is it Helene or Helena? I forget what they call it. I want to say it's Helene, but yeah. it doesn't get pronounced like that in the movie. It's like Helene or something like that. I don't. I don't know. Oh yeah, Helene. Helen. We'll call her Helen. The mother, yeah. Cheese and Bubba. So Cheese and Bubba are like the bull, the two gangbangers. Cheese more so the gangbanger. Bubba like a. What do you call that? He's mm. he's just like a he's rough an dude. entrepreneur. Yeah, he's an entrepreneur in the gangbanging business. <laughs> he gets you the stuff that's hard to get. Yeah, that's yeah. I like that. He is an entrepreneur in the gangbanging business. So yes, Bubba, I like that. Jackie. So I have Patrick and Angie. Obviously, in the movie, it is Detective Brissant mm. and Detective Poole and Captain Jack Doyle, uh, Helen, Helene, whatever. B and Lionel, same roles that they play as in the book. And then secondary, I would say Cheese. Bubba's in there too, but he kind of gets sprinkled in for about five minutes here. Very random. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. That's my cast. Yeah, I feel like, okay, let's look at it. It's not too far off. Yeah, whatever. Nah, nah. Yeah. It's like it's there, it's the characters are there, but they're not doing the same shit, which kind of bothers me. But let's talk about the casting then. So Patrick, Kenzie, we have Casey Affleck, aka Baby Affleck. Now, I didn't hate him in this role, but I don't think it fits with the book, Patrick, because Casey Affleck, aka Baby Affleck, plays him. Remember that scene where he's like, you ever disrespect her again? Blah, blah, blah. Like that's, he doesn't do that Mm -hmm. in the book. He's more like, he's wisecracking. He's like dry. He reminds me of Steven. Actually, that's who he reminds me of. Okay. (laughs) Where he's not going to say a lot. He's not going to be in your face, but he's just going to like definitely call you out on all the bullshit that you say, but in just a very like blase way. So I would agree with that. Yeah. 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 So I don't, I don't hate him. I don't know. He was fine. I think he, his acting was good. Just the character wasn't the same for me. Mm-hmm. Angie is Michelle Monaghan. I, I don't, I didn't like her. I think she was too sweet where the Angie in the book is definitely a bit more hardcore. 
Oh, yeah. She's definitely a lot more hard in the book than she is in the movie, because in the movie, she is just kind of like this side character who just follows his lead. Whereas in the book, she is taking the lead on a lot of it. Yeah. And she's doing some badass stuff. Do we have to get our like man hating soapbox out? Did we ever see her with a gun in the movie? No. She carries a 38 in the book. Yeah. And there's like scenes that they just took her out of. Like the, when they go to the house with the detectives, we'll get into that. But like, they just like, just left her out of shit. I'm like, hello. Mm -hmm. She's a badass bitch with a big ass gun. And she uses it. Whatever. But Michelle Monaghan, I think she's a very, very good actress. I've seen her some other stuff. I can't recall right now. Um, but I think she's just too sweet for this. So eh, whatever. Yeah. She uh, didn't do justice to the character in the book at all. Yeah. 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 Didn't. I feel like in what they, what she did in the movie was fine, but mm-hmm. she was just a very side character almost. Then we have Ed Harris who played detective Brissant, even though it's Brassard in the book. I don't know why you changed that. It made no sense. I even tried to look it up a little bit, like what the big difference between because his character's still from New Orleans. He has that Cajun mm-hmm. background. So yeah. why? But whatever. But in the in the book, I think they make it seem like he came to Boston as a kid. Whereas in the movie, it made it seem like Doyle recruited him from New Orleans up to the Boston PD. Yeah, because it's like in the 70s. Yeah, because he yeah. came up with his dad. Yeah. And then his dad got, I don't know, some, some weird backstory. Uh, Ed Harris... I don't hate Ed Harris. I think he's a great actor. But from what I was getting from the book, I wanted, and this is not to say that Ed Harris is like not attractive or anything, but I was thinking more like a GQ cover type dude. According to the book, he was supposed to be some very put together pretty boy, constantly worried about his clothing and I made a note about this later on that overall I was not upset with most of the casting. He was the biggest problem that I had because while he's not necessarily very young in the book, he mm-hmm. is still younger than Ed Harris could play him. And the lead character, Patrick, makes a lot of comments about his hair and his suits and stuff like that. And it was a totally different direction, I think. Yeah, Ed Harris is definitely more rugged. Like he's more that street cop. Like I've seen some shit. Oh yeah, definitely. Where Broussard in the book has seen some shit too, but he also is um, like, you don't think that when you look at him, it comes out in other ways. Like when he fucking snaps. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pool is played by Josh, John Ashton. I, I, he's one of those faces where I know I've seen him in other stuff, but it's not like huge role. I feel like I've probably seen him in Law and Order or something. I didn't mm-hmm. look that up. I don't know if he's actually in there, but he feels like he's that kind of character. Again, they made Poole seem like a side character in the movie mm-hmm. and didn't really do a lot. Um, but then they like added him to plot points that were big and huge, like the whole like setup in the quarry, which he yeah. wasn't a part of. So it's like you're making him a side character, you're making him less of an important character in the movie, but you're adding him to big plot points that he was not a part of in the book, which was. Yeah, because in the book, his character was calling a lot of the shots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he had more um, interaction with some of the like uh, 
interrogations and stuff than than Broussard did because he's he's like a yep. witty character. Where in the movie they just kind of casted him as like this old beat up cop. Mm-hmm. Really, he's he's I don't know. He didn't. He was all right. Meh. Okay, so then we have uh, Captain Doyle in the movie, which is Lieutenant Doyle in the book. Another, I don't understand why they made this change from lieutenant to captain. But anyway, he's played by Morgan Freeman. Mm -hmm. And I am team Morgan Freeman at all times. This man can do no wrong. But please tell me how the captain of a South Boston police department is a black man named Doyle. Mm-hmm. Something we're going to get into here is I don't want to talk down about the Boston or South Boston area, but can we just be real for a minute and understand that that is not a, a, a world of diversity up there. It's not a very inclusive environment. Yeah. Like there is diversity, but they're doing their diverse stuff in diverse areas by themselves like they're not doing it together so Mm -hmm. you have this historically irish police department irish area up there in south um boston he even talks about it in the book like how you know there's sort of the vietnamese that are moving into some of the areas Mm -hmm. and some areas that have like the author himself is talking about how uh what do you call that um segregated this area is and how people are really not into each other from different backgrounds. Yeah. With the, yeah. With the Vietnamese, he even says that they don't bother us. We don't bother them. Everybody yeah. is quietly living their lives separated. From Nobody's each other. just going out of their way to be inclusive. So mm-hmm. you're going to tell me that this police department has elected a black captain mm-hmm. named Doyle. They didn't even change his name. So I, I don't know, I don't mind it, but I feel like it's disingenuous to the time period that this uh, story takes place and the culture of that area. But you know what? Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. And if I don't, then, you know, I'll go fuck off. But Morgan Freeman, he plays it. I think he was fine in it. Like, again, he, he does no wrong, but it was just so mind boggling when I saw him pop up as the as Doyle. I was like, oh, OK. Mm-hmm. Then we have um, Helen, Helene, Helena, whatever the fuck her name is. The mother is played by Amy Ryan, who is hilarious. If you don't know, she's played like Michael's girlfriend in The Office. She was just in that, um, I think it's Hulu or Netflix Hulu show, uh, where it's nothing but um, only murders in the building or something like that with Steve Martin and Martin Short and Selena Gomez. She's in there. She's so funny. So funny. But she really kind of. I think this is a f- perfect fit for her. Oh, that that one piece of trivia that I found about her is that the first day coming on set, the security guards wouldn't let her on set because her accent was so convincing and her demeanor and the way yeah. she looked was so convincing that they would not let her on set. They're like, you look like you're from around here. Um, we're going to need you to fuck off. <laughs> and she's, yeah. like, I, she's like, I'm one of the main characters. I'm in the movie. So then we have B and Lionel, the aunt and uncle. B is played by Amy Madigan and Lionel's played by Tal- Titus Welliver. Okay, so these are two pretty well-known actors. Um, I know their faces. I didn't look them up, but they're in lots of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So Amy Madigan and Titus Walver, look them up. You'll know who they are. I thought they were they were great in it. But I thought that Lionel, um, I think Titus was maybe a little bit too small or too lean to play him. Because in the book, they say he's like a big yeah. dude. He's he's a beefy guy. Beefy, beefy dude. Um, do you also notice that he's supposed to be like a UPS driver or FedEx or something? Mm-hmm. Is it UPS yeah. or FedEx? UPS. UPS. But he was like a not that in the movie. Maybe... Maybe UPS was asking for too much money. Yeah, but he wasn't even like a... to make something up. He's some kind of electrician or yeah, something like, like that. Yeah, like he wasn't even a delivery dude, which is weird because that's sort of a big part of the story because how some yeah. things come out is because he's... Anyway, whatever. Uh, they changed that. Cheese is played by Eddie Gathegi. Gathegi? Gathegi. 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 And it finally clicked who he was in Twilight. Yeah, he's the... Um, the the black guy with the dreads in the first I think yeah. he's in the second or whatever but he's like her um part of her posse the bad vampire chick mm-hmm. yeah which is already it's making me regret June already <laughs> we hey we have time we have time to change our minds no, I already bought it ah, damn it I think I already bought it too so I don't actually have an issue with what he did in the movie, I just have an issue with the fact that they made a imprisoned Scandinavian dude a Haitian drug dealer. Mm-hmm. I, that is I, not in prison. Yeah, when I talk about complete 180s, I what? And then again, mm-hmm. we're going back to this area. All the characters in this uh, story are white. They're mm-hmm. white generations deep in South Boston, most of them have like either Irish, like the most ethnic you get is a little bit of the Greek or an Italian background. Um, with Broussard, you get some of the New Orleans, but this is a typical South Boston cast of characters. And then they're like, mm-hmm. we're going to make one of the major characters a Haitian. Yeah. What? I, and the, I don't, understand it <sighs> anyway okay so there's that Bubba is played by George Carroll I actually didn't mind it but the character did so little in the movie that there wasn't a lot to base it off of but I also he's another one where I think the book describes him as a much bigger dude and a much mm-hmm. like more intimidating dude not like just the kind of chubby guy with a bad attitude like Bubba in the book when he describe him is like a dude you don't want to fuck with ever not at all yeah not even cheese wants to fuck with yeah 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 yeah. exactly so now you have this kind of like he's just he's not that much taller than casey affleck and we know that baby affleck is tiny so he's just kind of chubby um it's fine but i think the way he played him like the attitude was bubba yeah so the acting was good leon trett who is one of the like part of the pedophile ring is played yeah. by Mark Magolis. But the thing in the book, it, not, not in the book, the movie, is that he wasn't a pedophile. He was just, No, he was a cokehead. Yeah, he was just a drug addict with his ugly-ass wife that was, like, harboring a pedophile, which was also a strange departure. Um, but yeah. Mark Magolis, he plays those real creepy, low-life type characters, so I thought it was good. Corwin Earl, who is, is the pedophile, is played by Matthew Mayer or Mayher or Mayer. Um I know I've seen him and stuff before, but he plays a real sicko. 
Mm-hmm. He's like real. I think okay. he normally does. Yeah, like he's. I've never yeah. seen him in just like a normal role. <laughs> okay, yeah. this one. Oh my god. You know, I dedicate this to my to my mother. My mother also has a best friend named Dottie, who you will meet <laughs> on the cruise, Jackie. You will meet her. Okay. <laughs> so my mother's best friend while I was growing up and still is to this day, her name is Dottie. And Dottie is the best friend of the mother in this story. But if you, I look her up, though, because she looks like true, true, she belongs there. Because she does. She is from there. She's only played in movies that are about Boston. And the only other one she did was The Fighter with Mark uh, Wahlberg. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that one that plays, takes place in Boston. That's all she does. And also, there's a bunch of uh, mug shots of her that you can look up. because the Oh, the, goodness. The methamphetamines. I mean, if you look at her face, <laughs> she looks like it. Um, uh, clarification, my mom's friend Dottie does not do the methamphetamines. They just share the same name. Poor Dottie. <laughs> methamphetamines. All right, let's move into the plot now. Uh, I I don't even know where to start, okay? There's way too much. There's they way. changed so much. If only I could be in the mind of Ben Affleck, but then I say that and I don't want to be in the mind of Ben Affleck because it sounds like a scary place. Sounds like a lot of um, daytime gambling and uh, overdosing on Dunkin' Coffee. That's what and that's the mind going, of Ben Affleck. Going home to J-Lo. Oh, that's right. They are doing that again. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so I understand and I respect that when you have, when you try to do an adaptation of a book, especially a book as involved in this, how many pages is this book? This book is about 400 and something pages. All right. It's a beefy book. It is a full blown mystery th- thriller. There's plot twists. There's crazy twists and turns. There's a lot going on. All right. So to fit this all into about an hour and a half or two hours, you have to cut things. You're gonna have to cut them, consolidate them. I get it. Okay. Um, he does not know how to do this. And that is Ben Affleck clearly. And whoever helped him, mm-hmm. Mar- whatever his name was, that helped him do the screenwriting for this, the screenplay. Um, I totally forgot. Lardock or Marduk. I don't know. Uh, because what happened here, and this is a big thing I'm issue with, is if you get past the big character changes, the casting of the random actors to play, you know, like black dude to play white dude, white dude to play black guy, like weird stuff. Like if you get past that, the plot twists that they try to either parts of the story cut out or consolidate, all it's done is created plot holes. Mm-hmm. So Jackie read some reviews where, People are like, this makes no fucking sense, or that was predictable, is because there's turns and weaves and 180s that you're not getting in the movie that you get in the book. Um, There's like informants, there's uh, moles, there's um, snitches, there's the whole like underground ring of pedophiles, there's money laundering, like there's all this stuff that's going on in the book that it all comes together. Right. And the big thing is you're, you're playing around the fact that this little girl got kidnapped. You're like, why, who would kidnap her? Um, what happened to her and where is she? The book, I think the movie oversimplified it. 
Yet there's also a lot more time apparent that passes in the book, and you don't see that in the movie. The movie seems like it's over the course of a couple months, maybe, three months, maybe. Oh, yeah. Whereas the book, it is almost a full year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of shit that can happen in that period of time, and the fact that they just glossed over it was completely baffling to me. Right. So let's so, so in the beginning, you have the uncle and the aunt that are uh, have notified the police that their niece is missing. I think the police are on the case for like a couple days because you get a lot of that like, hey, if you don't find him in 72 to 84 hours, something like that, then it's 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 bad. So I think mm-hmm. by the time the aunt reaches out to the detectives being Patrick and Angie. It's been like maybe two days or so since the girl's gone missing. Yeah. So they reach out to Patrick and Angie because they want them to take this case because they are well-known private investigators. They find people. That's their thing. But this case is a bit different than what they're, they're used to. They're looking at like insurance fraud, people that flee the country to tax evasion, like that kind of thing. Missing little girls is not there in their portfolio per se. And for good reason, because they're like, you know, this very well could end badly. You know, we could find this kid in a dumpster and do we want to do that? It's not that they don't want to help find this little girl. They're thinking about for themselves, one, what's the likelihood we can find this little girl? It's not very high because we have the whole city and state worth of police looking for this girl and they haven't come up with anything. So what are we going to bring to the table? And then second, if and when we do find this girl, like we said, it's most likely she's not going to be alive. Do we even want to find her? Mm-hmm. Like, Do we want that on our conscience that we're finding her in a dumpster? And I get it. I respect it. I go, I, I wouldn't want to do it either. The aunt and uncle give like sort of the sob story, blah, 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 blah. And they decide to take the case. There's a whole bunch of other stuff that goes on in there, but they decide to take the case. This is where it really, I thought it was going to be okay in the movie because it, it's going, it happened a little bit differently, but we're going in that same direction. And then all of a sudden it just, it they're throwing stuff, they're throwing characters, plot lines, story parts out of the window, just left and right. Like I just picture Ben Affleck with his screenwriter buddy, um, at the table at one in the morning with their Dunkin' coffee, and he's just like shredding pages out of the book. Like, what are we going to add? Yeah, not this. Just pulling, not this. pulling random pages out. Yeah, like not we this. We don't need not them. This. Yeah. So one of the first stops that Patrick and Angie make is to this bar after they find out that uh, Helena, Helene, Helen, the mother frequents this really, really skeevy divey bar, which is known for gangbangers and drug dealers and prostitutes and all this like, you know, like really wholesome stuff. That's what this Mm -hmm. bar is known for. So they go there to ask some questions and you have big Dave, who's the bartender who he only goes by big Dave. He does not like Dave, David, little Dave, just big Dave. Um, He is giving them a hard time, like, no, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And they get it out of him eventually that Helen, the mother, was not where she was or where she said she was when her daughter missing. Because her story is she was next door with her friend Dottie watching TV while her daughter was asleep in the other 
house with the door unlocked because that's a big point is the door unlocked. So everyone's like, oh my God, somebody just walked in and took your baby. You dumb bitch. Big Dave lets out that, hey, she was here at this bar for a while while that girl went missing. But we meet some other interesting characters there. We meet the skinny Ricky. We meet his dad. We meet some of the other, you know, uh, really nice individuals that frequent that bar. Oh, fine, upstanding individuals that I'm sure pay pay their taxes. And they help little old ladies across the street and all that other good stuff. They're Boy Scouts. So this is what I'm curious. So they're cutting all this shit out out of the movie. But they cut these characters out of the scene, but then they decide, you know what? We're still going to keep the part where she almost gets raped. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it. Yeah. Why? So in the book, they, they sort of close the door when they're asking questions like, we don't take kindly to your kind around here. Mm. Um, and they're making all these uh, remarks towards Angie and they, they lock the door and it seems like it's about to go that way. And then, Patrick's like, no, I got a big gun. We're not going to do that. Um, so they get out of there. And that's when we meet for the first time, Detective Broussard and Sergeant Detective or Detective Sergeant. Detective Poole. Sergeant. Poole. Detective yeah. Sergeant Poole. Because one of the guys runs out, calls the police, telling them that Patrick and Angie are like waving around guns. So they show up. So that's our first interaction. We don't get that in the movie. They just like walk out. Bye. See you later. Like the scene was like a waste. I don't even know what even happened in that scene. Um, but then it's Captain Boyle. Oh, Doyle. Sorry. That says, oh, I need you to meet. If you're going to do this case, I need you to meet two of my detectives. So then he meets him in like some deli. I don't know. A diner or whatever. Yeah. Diner. It was so weird. It, it's nothing like the book. And then you get Ed Harris doing all like, I'm grungy street cop. It's like, no, you're supposed to be a GQ, New Orleans, Cajun, you know, sexy man. Not like almost three piece suit and like coiffed hair and like all this other fancy. Not like sleeves rolled up, tie undone, scarfing down burger at the diner detective. Mm -hmm. That's I think that's really where I was like, nope, I'm done. I'm done with this movie. We're only 10 minutes in. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we get that and then we meet uh, and mind you, this is not all happening. Like how's we're saying, and then, and then, and then, no, these are, there's other stuff that's going on, but it's just really not worth talking about. The next part is when we meet cheese because after they find out that the mom was in that really nice upstanding lounge bar with all of the um, upstanding Boy Scouts. Uh, Boy Scouts. Uh, They go back to her and they're like, hey, what were you doing in this bar with so-and-so? Do you know that he's associated with cheese? And she's like, I don't, I mean, the name sounds familiar. And they're like, this happens in both the movie and the book. They're like, no, you either know that name or you don't. It's cheese. Yeah. He is very, very well known in the area. (laughs) Yeah. Like either you know it, you you don't kind of know the name cheese. If you come across some dude named cheese, you're going to remember it. Uh, but then we're introduced to the cage, not an occasion, the Haitian drug dealer cheese in the movie, which again, first of all, in the book, this dude is supposed to be a massive Scandinavian. Like his parents are off the boat. He's an immigrant, had an accent. His real 
His actual real first name is Sven. Yeah. And I I put the description of him in the notes. He's a six foot two, 430 pound yellow haired Scandinavian. Hence the name Cheese. He's not some cut Haitian yeah. who has prostitutes hanging all over him. Yeah, like Filipino prostitutes or something. It was really yeah. weird. And then the Chris Harlan, I think, who is his, one of his counterparts, is there. He's a big character in the book. And, okay, here's another thing. They make him look like he's this uh, backstreet, saggy pants, like, mm-hmm. hoodlum. But in the book, he's supposed to be, like, your grade A. He's, like, one of his lieutenants, essentially, Yeah, he's wearing suits constantly. And in fact, the one time he goes back to the apartment and he's complaining about, oh, it's the wrong suit, wrong colored suit. I should have worn navy. And he's yelling at himself for not putting on the right suit. But he's just this like, doesn't say shit, really doofy skater boy looking thing in the in the movie. And I don't and she's supposed to be in prison, not hanging out in the bar, Mm -hmm. asking to see if he's wearing wires. I really, if anyone out there understands why they changed Cheese's character like this, um, maybe if it's Ben Affleck, if you're listening, um, can you tell us why? I would really like to know. I can't. I cannot understand it. Because the fact that Cheese is in prison is integral to the plot. Yes. What the fuck? (laughs) I can't. You know what, Jackie? I can't anymore. (laughs) I can't even know where to go with this plot. It makes no fucking sense because then he does well, nothing. Then he dies. Yeah, but she's dies yeah. in the movie. <laughs> Not in the same way he dies in the book, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other major thing that they changed, which I did not understand, is in the movie, Helen, Helene, whatever, she is the one that has the presence of mind to hide the money at Ray's house. Yeah. In the book, she is so fucking out of it. Yeah. They drive around Charlestown for hours trying to find a car on blocks with a Garfield in the back window Mm -hmm. to find the place where she thinks the money might be. Which is the only thing they kept about that whole situation was the cats. Yeah, but not as many cats either. In the movie, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the book, it made it seem like they were being stampeded by a herd of hundreds of cats. I know, like they open the door and it's like. (laughs) So they make a point in the movie, like she's sitting in the back of their car and she's saying all this stupid shit and you're getting frustrated with her because you're like, dude, your daughter's missing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It still doesn't do what it did in the book, though. To really understand how bad a mother she is because while jack like what jackie's described how they're searching for hours the reason they're doing this is because while she was there with her daughter mind you she -hmm. was so fucking out of it drunk high just gone she doesn't even remember where she was with her daughter she doesn't even really remember fully that her daughter was actually there. Yeah. She doesn't remember if her daughter was in the car or if she was in the house. The only thing that triggers her memory later on is when she sees the cat, she remembers that one of the cats scratched her daughter. And yeah. then she's like, oh, yeah, she was in the house. Yeah. Does not even, just not even remember where her daughter 
was. Like, so that's why it frustrated me in the movie because she is literally just a piece of shit. She's a terrible Mm -hmm. mother. She should not have this child. But I feel in the movie, they're focusing on the wrong things where they're like, oh, this guy's dead. Yeah, they're stealing from this guy. It's like, no, the premise of the book is that she's so terrible that she doesn't even realize what she's doing and the wider implications that she's messing around with dangerous people and it puts her daughter in danger. With her daughter with her. Yeah. She brings her daughter with her to these things. She's she's muling, which is drug running, with her daughter, her three-year-old daughter in the car, with her and gangbangers. Also, she's a prostitute. She's She doesn't want to say she's a prostitute, but she's doing it. She's basically getting pimped out. And I think in the book it alludes to that her daughter is around for some of that as well. Or mm-hmm. on a regular basis, she would leave the daughter home alone on her own, which they don't highlight in the movie at all. It's just kind of like, oh, she's just trashy. She drinks during the day. She's just a trashy Boston chick. And it's like, no, you can be a trashy Boston chick that drinks all day, but still be a pretty decent mother. Mm -hmm. I think it was sort of disingenuous to the people in the area saying like, oh, because you kind of live in a messy kind of rundown apartment, they are automatically a bad mother. No, no. She is a bad mother because she is drunk and high all the time, completely neglectful, and brings her child around gangbangers. That is why she's a bad mother. Not because she lives in a shitty apartment. So, because remember in the movie, they want to highlight like how shitty her apartment is. But Mm -hmm. in the book, they don't really spend a lot of time in her apartment. She's actually staying at her brother's house Mm -hmm. with her sister-in-law. So they only go over to the house like once or twice. They look at the girl's room, which doesn't really have anything in it. Um, And that, you know, the house is kind of messy. But in the movie, they're like, look how shitty this place is. Okay. You know, lots of people live in shitty apartments. And they're still not like terrible parents. Anyway. So this this fucking movie. I just want to skip to my (laughs) reviews. Like, I don't even I don't even want to get through this. One of another big departure, though, is the quarry scene because they get a tip that this money that was found, um, they're going to do some rogue cop stuff and just trade Cheese the money for it, Uh, which in the book, Cheese is like, I don't fucking know what you're talking about, but uh, yeah, we'll figure something like I forget what he says, but he kind of alludes to the fact that he really doesn't know anything about this, but may have some information it's just that he doesn't have the kid, but he can try and set something up where they can exchange the money that they found, which is like, I think in the book, it's like 250 grand, but in the movie, it's not that much, which mm-hmm. is another thing. I don't know why you changed the number. What does it matter? Um, For some reason, the number is like 200 grand in the book and 180 grand or something in the movie. I, d- I don't know, but it just, it seems like a really weird thing to change. Yeah. It's very strange. Very strange. Um, anyway. So how, how they're going to do this exchange is that they're going to show up at this quarry and give the money over to cheese and get the girl back, blah, 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 blah. In the book, they get sort of like a ransom call where the call is saying from a woman, mind you, this Mm -hmm. is a big deal. Okay. This is a big deal in the book at first. You're like, okay, this is strange. It's, 
it's something else huge they left out of the movie. So they get a call from a, the department gets a call from a woman saying that they want the four, meaning the two detectives and the two PIs, to show up at this quarry at this time with the money and they'll do an exchange for the girl. They reluctantly agree to this, the Lieutenant Doyle it is, um, but they do the smart thing in the book where they're like, we're not going to let this go down badly. They have, they call in the state police. They call in the local authorities because it's in a, the quarry is in a different jurisdiction. They play it out, like how they're going to go through this, where their skate points are. Patrick brings up some points like, um, this seems kind of like, you know, like this might not go very well for whatever reasons, like, it's not going to go well for reasons. And they're like, no, ha ha. No, we're smarter than them. These stupid criminals. And it's like, you do realize that these are the level of criminal they are is because they're not stupid. Yeah. And That's, they pick that location for a reason. Yeah. This is a, one of the things in sort of these cop dramas that I don't understand is because they always think they always talk about these criminals like they're morons. And it's, these are not your like street on the corner, simple drug dealer. Like these are these, they're like, <laughs> they have like a they corporation. Built empires. Yeah. They have yeah, they empire. built empires. <laughs> these are not stupid people. But anyway, so like <laughs> these stupid criminals were, no, they only kidnapped this girl and the whole state's been looking for her for a week and haven't found anything because they're dumb. So we know what we're going to do. Uh, but in the movie, right they just played off like it's a secret little thing. Like just the four of you are going to go, don't fuck up. We don't want anyone to know about this. And it's like, what? That's not well, how Plus this they works. did that whole thing with, uh, there was a transcript and then uh, Patrick and Angie get something delivered to their apartment. It's like a, the girl's jacket or something. Oh in a yeah. Note. That, yeah. Just, that never happened. Which that doesn't, never, doesn't happen in the book. It doesn't happen. And also as they show in the movie, when she shows up and then gets shot, um, Cheese doesn't show up in the book because he's in prison and also mm -hmm. did not kidnap the girl. So yeah. <laughs> like, like, here's the part in both the book and the movie that I didn't understand. When they go to the quarry, they go, okay, you two go that way. We're going to go this way. Why? Why are we splitting up? Neither the book nor the movie explains that. What was the point of them splitting up? Anybody? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Because what happens now is in the book, uh, Detective Sergeant Poole has like basically a heart attack or something on the way up. So he can't make it up. So like he's like, just leave me. Go get the girl. Go get, leave me. And they're like, oh, OK. Um, so Broussard's like, you go that way and I'll go this way and hand off the money. So mind you, they cannot see across the way. Mm hmm. This, from, this brings me back to last week. Like, no, you're not going to leave me here by myself. I'm going with you, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm not going to stand here at the edge of a cliff when I think there's a murderer wandering yeah. around the island. Yeah. You're not leaving me here. I'm going with you. I'm going with you. Uh, so they split up because apparently that's a good idea. I feel like after years and years and years of like slasher films and horror movies that when somebody says hey, we should split up, that we all know the right answer to that now, which is yeah. no, we're not going to split up. But anyway, so they can't see each other. And then all of a sudden, there's just gunfire. Shoot, 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 shoot. And they're like, what's going on? Oh, my God. And Broussard's like, ah, I'm under fire. Blah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
this part to me is so ridiculous in the book and the movie. So either one is fucking bullshit to me. I don't care. Uh, so then they're like, oh, my God, what happened? And Bertard's like, uh, they they shot at me. I was in a car. I couldn't. And then apparently he lost the money because, like, he ran away but left the money there. Um, in the movie, it's kind of similar. But they're saying that it's cheese that was firing on him. Uh, and they shot him. So cheese is dead. He dies in the book, too. But he dies in a way that is, again, I say this, is integral to the plot in mm-hmm. prison the way he dies because it makes you question like what alliances and loyalties certain characters have and what play they might have in this what stake they have in this game which they just he's a throwaway character in the movie really yeah 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 he just he served the purpose of moving the plot along and having uh been the focus for an adequate amount of time and they're like okay we're done with him bye yeah yeah also this quarry scene with all that firepower is another huge plot hole that they created with the, um, what's his name? The Tret, Leon Tret storyline, mm-hmm. those pedophiles. Because we're going to just jump ahead. Why don't we just jump ahead and play this out and what's really happening? And then we can work our way back so everyone can understand the plot holes that we have. Leon Tret and his wife, they are the ones buying all of this firepower. Mm-hmm. They have all these guns. They're like creating an armory in their house. These are these pedophiles, these ring of pedophiles, which come on, they come up earlier in the story. Hence why they're kind of, they thought um, with the, anytime, right. Anytime there's a missing child, they always like bring up pedophiles too. Like, is there anybody in the area? So they had these two and then uh, the, what's his name? Corwin Earl was the other character that just got out of yeah. prison. So they're like, we don't know. It might not, but we're going to keep an eye on him, which is why Patrick. Well, I don't I don't know if they made it the same in the book and the movie. I can't really remember. But in the book, I, I'm pretty sure I clearly remember that they say they don't know where they are. But I think in the movie, yeah, they, don't know they, where they have are. an idea. They have an idea of where they are, so they're just keeping an eye on them or something. Yeah, and also it's just it's just the one is a pedophile where yeah. really it's it's kind of all of them, but the two men at least. Um, yeah. But so this is why Bubba is such a big part because Patrick at one point says, "Hey," because he gets the money. Remember when they find the money at the house? Um, he takes He's it. He's holding on to it. Yeah. yeah, he gives it to Bubba, which is one of those characters where I feel like if we would have read the other books, we probably would understand their relationship and why he trusts him so much. Mind you, he's also a gangbanger. Remember, he's the he's entrepreneur. He's such a and, criminal, yeah. Yeah, he's the gangbanging business entrepreneur. But Patrick trusts him enough to give him $250,000 to hold on to, right? Mm-hmm. He trusts him that, like, not even, like, an explanation. He sh- literally just shows up, knocks on the door. The guy's like, why are you waking me up? He's like, I need you to hold this money. He takes the bag and slams the door in his face. That's the mm-hmm. level of trust we have. Where he goes, cool, that went well. Uh, but when he goes there, again, to get the money, he's talking about these pedophiles. And he's like, hey, um, do you, have you heard anything? Can you keep an eye out? So that's why that's what brings Bubba back into the storyline because there's uh, somebody who requests he wants to buy a gun. And Bubba, when he initially meets him or hears him, he says, this sounds like or this seems like the guy that Patrick was looking for. Hence why same thing in the movie. Bubba comes and says, come take a ride with me. Yeah. So there's a lot of context that is left out of the movie that really is integral to the plot. And I, I know I keep saying this is integral to the plot. It's integral to the plot. Like, 
when you're dealing with a story like this, you have you have to at least mention it or bring reference to it or something. So it's not just out of the blue, because in the movie, Bubba just shows up like, hey, come take a ride with me. And then all of a sudden they're in the house with um, those guys like out of nowhere. Like, you're like, who are these people? Why do I care about these people? Why does Bubba care about these people? And why does Patrick care? And then all of a sudden, why are the detectives here? Like, it, it, it was so abrupt and so janky. It made no sense. So that is where we get to this. Um, Leon Trett is his name and his wife. And Roberta. Roberta, yeah. Who's like this big bitch. She's like big bitch. <laughs> Everybody has such extreme reactions to her know, whenever like, they oh see her picture in the book. They're like, <laughs> like that's holy a crap. <laughs> that's a huge fish. Uh, and she's like hairy and stuff too, so whatever. She's just an odd dude. And then also Leon Trent is like this really, really strange character. Um, but He's wearing like spandex when, he, they, when they go to the house to, to bring yeah, the guns or something. So, and a midriff top. Yeah, it was really weird. But he's a weird dude. He's a weird... That's yeah. what it is. So... When this Patrick does this ride with Bebo and he gets to the house, he realizes these are those fuckers. These are them. Mm-hmm. We found them. And then also they realize they got a lot of fucking firepower in this house, like guns on top of guns on top of guns. Because in the movie, Bubba is, oh, Bubba's going to, he's a drug dealer. He's going mm-hmm. there to give them like cocaine or something. Um, but in the book, he's going there to sell them guns and they have guns everywhere. And then, what really tips Patrick off is that he sees Leon Trett wearing this baseball cap, which looks really, really tiny. And then the back is undone too, like a really, really tiny baseball cap. Yeah. It's a snapback that the snapback part yeah. doesn't join because it's, it's made like for a, a kid. Yeah. It's a kid's hat. Um, so that's what he calls back. But let's just take a moment to realize here now that in the movie, it makes it sound like, this is all happening pretty near each other. You know, that's a mm-hmm. short timeline, but in the book, when the quarry event is a disaster and they don't get Amanda back, which they thought she might've got dropped into the quarry there. There's like water and there. Uh, Angie jumps in there trying to find her. doesn't find anything. I think they just find her doll. Um, they think that's it. They think they fucked up. And it's a while. They also yeah, find they out do that a, they do a funeral or something. Yeah. They yeah. do in both the movie and the book. They just like, she's, there's no way she's gone. She's, she's dead. We fucked up and they're blaming themselves. Also, you kind of find out that, um, the two side gangbangers with cheese, one of them might be like an informant or like an undercover DA, DEA guy. Like there's all that plot that's brought in, but anyway, they're dead. And then it's the whole question of did Detective Poole have something to do with it? He was down by the car. He was the last to see them. It's weird. There's all this stuff that is just, it, it's, it makes you question a lot. Um, but then we go, what, six months? Six it months it was so? definitely months. I don't know how many months, but it was definitely months, plural. Yeah. And the o- only reason that kind of you, you leave this for months and then the story picks back up because there's another child that goes missing, a little boy. And Angie at this point is like, just, she's obsessing. She's been obsessing over the Amanda case. And now this is a new focus for her where she's obsessing over this case. So back to the scene where Patrick goes with Bubba to the pedophile's house and he sees the baseball cap. Cause he remembers like, Hey, 
this looks like the cap that was on the kid's picture of the day he went missing or how, or what he was described as. So yeah, they in called the book it it's Samuel Pietro in the movie. It's Johnny Pietro. Again, like why? Whatever. Why these changes make no fucking sense. So they call the detectives and they come up. Here's where I get really pissed off because in the book, Angie's there. Mm-hmm. She's there at the house with the detectives. They're staking it out. The detectives are going to go to the front door and the back door. They're going to, they have their shotguns with them. Like they're ready to go in, but they tell Patrick and Angie, like stay here because they are civilians. I mean, technically they are private investigators. They are civilians. They should not be a part of this. They're like, stay here no matter what. Shit hits the fan immediately. Like you hear gunfire. I think detective pool gets shot through the front door. He's hit down. So Patrick runs out, tries to pull him out. Um, Angie's trying to go up and help. He like pushes her over. She breaks her ankle, um, but yeah. she's still like there helping. Right. And then Patrick goes in the house and that's where um, he kind of has this, this standoff with big bitch Roberta. And he finds the door at the top of the stairs. That's like weird. It's like, it, he opens it, but it's like, it locks really it's, weird from the inside. Yeah. It's a, bulletproof door or something and he latches it from the inside and then he just hears her just throwing herself against it yeah and it's a if it was a wood door, door it would have been gone yeah yeah they make a point that it's like it's a fortified door it's heavy duty which is weird because this is a residential house they're like what the hell is this but now it's one of those scenes where they just picture you know he closes the door he kind of locks it backs away and then starts to take in the rest of the room where he's at and this is where it gets really disturbing i think i actually think the way that they handled it in the movie was tasteful for what is described in the book it's more artsy more use your imagination um with just a little bit of detail because the book is a full-on descriptor of what's going on in this room and it is not good it is awful so this room is disgusting. There's bag chips, uh, bags of chips, beer cans everywhere. There's like handcuffs on the wall, on the mattresses um, on the floor. Yeah, and it's there's blood and there's urine and there's disgusting. Uh, and there's also like sex toys everywhere too mm-hmm. that he's describing. And then he's walking around. And he hears something and he finds Corwin like huddled over by another door in front of another door with a crossbow of all things. Um, And he shoots him, I believe like in the knee or something like somewhere. Mm -hmm. It's not a death. It's not a kill blow, like a kill shot. He wounds him pretty significantly. And then he goes into the door through the door that he's guarding the coronet is Patrick goes into the door and it's a bathroom. And that's where we realize that, the boy is in there. He is not alive. And he has been through hell. The book goes into so much detail about what happened to this child. It's like, I don't even like talking about it. It's disturbing. It's very, very disturbing. I don't even want to talk about it. Um, but I'm saying detail. And the descriptor that you're getting through Patrick is enough where he is a guy that doesn't, I think we have conversations where he doesn't um, in the book, he doesn't agree with the death penalty. He Mm -hmm. doesn't agree with like 
society making calls on who dies and who nots. And he's, he's, he's not, he's not for murder, but whatever he sees in this bathroom, he turns around and shoots uh, Corwin in the head. I think he shoots him in the back of the head. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just like point blank, no remorse done comes out. uh, Detective Broussard is there and then they have the cleanup and they, they call everyone. Um, but that that was another thing about the book to the movie that I didn't understand the change because in the movie, when he goes up, Corwin sees him and says, it was an accident. It was yeah. an accident. But mm-hmm. in the book, it was clearly not an accident because yeah. they talk about how they stabbed the boy mm-hmm. in the heart and slit his throat. Yeah. And like completely and just, FY- just. Yeah. FYI, for anybody who was listening, that is not the worst that happens to this poor boy. No, that's actually like. That was merciful almost. Yeah, yeah. That, but, that was the mercy right there. Why, why try to make this horrible, horrible person? It's, it's almost like they were trying, or Ben Affleck or whoever wrote it whenever they were writing the movie and they were approaching this character. They tried to make him more sympathetic. Than in the I book, think, but he not that. did I think not they deserve tried to it. Make him, I think they tried to make him seem simple. simple. Yeah, yeah, simple. Like there was something mentally wrong with him other than him being a pedophile. Uh, no, he was very calculating in the book and they knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah, because they talk about how he was going to get a gift for Leon. Like he's 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 a dirtbag. He's absolute scum of the earth. But they make him, even with the casting of Matthew Merrick, because he has that sort of like, you know, he has the clef uh cleft palate scar Mm -hmm. and he's he looks a little odd so even with the casting of him they're trying to portray him as like being off Mm -hmm. which i i'm with you i I don't like it i don't like it the same thing where when when we did um perks of being a wallflower whenever Mm -hmm. mentions of the pedophilia stuff came up they're like oh well he was older this or that and i'm like why are you trying to make it better like it is what it is and it's fucking awful so ben affleck do better do better ben affleck no also, and also, why are you trying to play it off like only uh, people that are, you know, maybe handicapped or mentally not all there or have some sort of retardation are the ones doing stuff like this? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I don't like it. Either way, it's wrong. It's wrong, Ben. So this is important to the plot, too, because now in the book, in the story, we are starting to pull the other storylines back in where things start to open up where we thought it was a lost cause for Amanda, but then interactions that Patrick has with detective Broussard sort of joggle his memory. And he's like, wait, why would he say that? He lied to me about this. And one of them is skinny Ricky because in the book and the movie, they try to play it off. Like Broussard doesn't know who he is or in the book, really, they try to play it off. Like, Oh, we had like one interaction with him or something like that. Or he was detective pools informant, not mine Mm -hmm. where in, um, during they're drunk after this, cause they're, they're taking it really hard. What they found with this kid, I mean, r- rightfully so is traumatic. So they're drinking really heavy. They're kind of hanging out in parks talking and detective Broussard lets it slip that, um, he had had more dealings with skinny Ricky. So Patrick goes home after this and he can't really put his finger on. It. He's like, this is he, why did he lie about this? Why did he lie about knowing him or working with him? Uh, so that some new storylines start to open up. One of them being that detective Broussard's wife will used to be a prostitute, right? 
Yep. Which they don't, they talk about a little bit in the, the movie, but it's not a big plot point there or a big story point. Um, the detective Broussard's wife used to be a prostitute and Patrick decides he wants to do a little investigating on detective Broussard because he wants to know why he fucking lied. Why is he driving like, like an hour or so outside of Boston to where he lives? Cause he, they make a point in the book to say that people that work for the department are supposed to live within a certain radius of mm-hmm. their headquarters. So he's like, why is he so far? So he follows him, hangs out like in the bushes, like a creep to watch leaves in the morning, finds his, this woman with a little kid, a boy. And I think, does he know that it's his wife? I think he does. Yeah, I think so. Because didn't, I think he might've seen a picture or something at some point, but I'm not 100% yeah, sure. Yeah, of the wife. He, yeah, yeah, he knows that, he knows that it's, it's Broussard's wife. And, but he remembers that Broussard never talked about having a kid. Yeah, which is a big thing where they don't have that at all in the movie. This this sort of storyline of his hidden child. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Patrick starts asking questions like, do you know any kids? He's like, he doesn't have a kid. He's never talked about a kid. He's like, yeah, he has a kid. Why would he lie about something like that? Um, so that comes up. So now Patrick is on to Detective Broussard. Like, why, why this? Where in the movie, it seems like he just automatically... Ver- thinks of something and then is on the uncle, like the uncle did something. Right. It's weird. Like, I don't know how he came to this understanding. Yeah. The, the leaps aren't so much leaps in the book. They're definitely leaps in the movie, but in Mm -hmm. the book, it's more a logical progression from point Mm -hmm. A to point B to point C to the uncle. Right. Because this comes back to the fact that he works for UPS because Patrick is, is hunting down Detective Broussard. Why is he lying about his son? This and that. And then he remembers something that Leon, or not Leon, Lionel, the uncle, said where he changed his life around because he got busted when mm-hmm. he was younger. And it was a pretty big bust. And he could have went to prison for a long time because it could have been like attempted murder. But there was a cop that testified on his behalf as a witness and basically said no where he should have the way the case is he should have went to prison because he was drunk in a bar he said something like i'm gonna kill you blah blah but the cop uh when he testifies says that it was the other guy that said it to lionel that he's gonna kill him so he got off because patrick puts together that if uh lionel actually had a big bus and had a felony on his record he would not have been able to get a job at ups mm-hmm that's why that job makes such a big deal. He's like, he would never have been able to get a job. So then he looks up the records and realized it's Detective Broussard was the cop that testified for him. So they do know each other. So he questions them, like, how well do you know Detective Broussard? He's like, I don't know him at all. It's like, bullshit. Like, you guys have known each other for, like, 20 years. Mm-hmm. So that's the natural progression where we get to, like, why are you guys lying about this? Then it comes up to, wait a minute. Did they have something to do with the disappearance? But they're still thinking like it has something to do with cheese or the drug dealers or the money, um, which really just if we're going to put it out there. It kind of doesn't have anything to do with it. No, it's the almost- money is definitely peripheral to the whole kidnapping thing. Yeah, it just happens to be something that sets off this thing in motion where we learn that, you know, the mother is a, a trash bag. 
and puts her daughter in this. And the uncle has kind of had enough. And he's like, I can't have my niece in this situation anymore. Broussard, you have to help me. Which, because um, his tipping point was the same story in the movie and the book. It's when she went to the beach with Amanda and Dottie. They yeah. left Amanda. Well, in one, they said, I think that she left they Amanda left in, in the car. Yeah. But in the other, it's just she was on the, the beach, no sunscreen or something. Yeah. And yeah. she got sunburned so bad. And in the book, he actually takes her to the hospital mm-hmm. and convinces covers for Helene or Helen and convinces the doctor not to call child services. Yeah, because he knows that the system, how it works right now, would just take her away. Yeah. Um, and that Helen would get her back because that's just the way the system works. So, and then he hears her like, I'm going to move away. I'm going to go down this. I have this money, blah, blah, blah. So he's like, if if she moves away from us, I'm never going to be able to, like, protect my niece, mm-hmm. me and my wife. So he yeah, wants, she to, wants to move to Myrtle Beach and sell T-shirts. Yeah, some bullshit. Like, so, like again, another, like, just trashy shouldn't be a mother type thought process. So they come up with this scheme and the scheme is they're going to sort of plan out an abduction to get Amanda out of this situation. So we find out the big reveal is that Amanda is not dead. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff that happens where Broussard's trying to like cover up and he comes in and when they're questioning Lionel pretends to like hold up the bar, he gets shot Angie shoots him, which is another thing they left out of the movie. They made it seem like somebody else shot him or whatever. It was the bartender that shot him in the movie. And also in the book, it was him and one of the other officers that they were working together. Right. Right. And in the movie, it was just him. It was just Broussard. Just, just Brisson, which, uh, whatever. They chase him down. They have this sort of like talk on the rooftop, Patrick and Brisson as he's dying. Kind of the same thing that happens in the uh, uh, book. But Brisson doesn't, he doesn't let on to where Amanda is because he's just like, no, she's in a better place. And she, he, with his dying breath, he's like, I'm not going to give it up. But we know now that she's not dead. That mm-hmm. she's alive and somebody else has her. Now it's just a matter of who. Um, and through another s- progression of thoughts and ideas, I think we kind of come to the, Patrick comes to the understanding that it's Doyle, lieutenant and or captain, depending on if you're reading or watching, where he has Amanda. But then big- that was. Yeah. One real quick thing about Doyle that really confused me about the book to the movie was in the movie, obviously watched it first. His daughter died. Yeah. But in the book, she did not die. They wanted another chance. Uh, Their daughter had moved out, gone to college, whatever. And Mm -hmm. they. The daughter was abducted, not abducted. She went missing. Um, Lieutenant Doyle in the book, they has a story about how. He knows how it feels to a point of these parents where this child went missing because their daughter went missing. Mm-hmm. It was only for like eight hours because she had like fell off her bike, broke her ankles and was like passed out in a ditch. You know, still not cool to find your kid, but they luckily were able to find her. So that's where he had this, you know, epiphany to start this. Um, uh, his department is basically looking for missing children. Mm-hmm. He, he, he ran that where, yeah, in the movie, they're like, oh, our daughter died. Which still, I mean, it's horrific. I can get understand why they do that point plot for it or plot point. Um, but also in the movie, 
he takes the fall for the mm-hmm. whole bad quarry thing happening, um, which he doesn't do in the book. He does it in the no, movie, he, not the book. Broussard's the one that takes the fall. Yeah. He gets demoted. He's a, a beat cop again or directing mm-hmm. traffic or some shit. He's in uniform again. He's mm-hmm. not a detective anymore. And Poole even gets demoted because he was some detective first grade or something and they bust yeah. him down or whatever. I don't know. But yeah, it, I, so many things that they changed that just. It, did, it didn't make any sense. sense. It didn't add to anything. It kind of detracted from a story. Um, so in the book, Patrick. Angie and two of the cops, I think it's Devin and Oscar, Oscar. They tell him like, let's go. We're going to go stake out. So they go to uh, Lieutenant Doyle's house. They stake out and they're watching and sure as shit. There she is. I, I picture them like sitting up in trees and stuff while they're doing this. Yeah. <laughs> wearing camouflage or something. Yeah. Like it was so weird the way they were yeah. watching from the woods. They um, were in ghillie suits and then yeah. they the <laughs> no, they weren't. <laughs> they, were. <laughs> no. they were just like hanging out there. Uh, yeah. But they see Amanda, they see Amanda with his wife. Then they see Lieutenant Doyle pull up and everyone's a happy family. And then they realize that um, they, they took Amanda to give her a better life and she's happy and she's loving life and she's thriving. So Angie is like, please, no, we can't call us in. Cause I think it's Devin and Oscar are going to go arrest him. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, we can't, we have to go arrest him. Which, he kid- they're not there in the movie. Yeah. They're not there. They left him out, which I guess at that point, it's like, there's a lot of other shit they had cut out that they couldn't just add in these two other people, which the trend that this movie did, you might as well. Cause we're just supposed to just, believe it just add these Mm -hmm. two people to that that section and we're just going to go with it but they Mm -hmm. didn't so it's just angie and patrick but either way it's kind of the same thing where in the movie patrick's just going to call it in um and have them the police come but oscar and devin are there so they're like we're going to arrest him and she's pleading she's like please please do not she is happy leave it and they're like no that's not their child which is absolutely right it's absolutely right but we're in this really bad gray area where she's like, if you send her back to her mother, she is like, it's only a matter of time. before She's going to end up just like her mother. That's what Angie's yeah. thinking. Yeah. Either she's going to end up dead. She's going to end up a drug ash and a prostitute. She's going to not do well. Like nothing in this child's life is rosy and gold going back to her mother. Um, and they're like, well, her uncle and aunt could take her. And we're like, you know, that's not how the system works. They're never going to get custody of her while their mother's still alive. Um, so she's pleading. And they kind of both the book and the movie do this where you're like, you're not sure which way they're going to go mm-hmm. until it's like, no, they, the cops show up. Devin and Oscar go in and arrest them. And Angie's just like, I'll never forgive you to Patrick. She's like, I will hate you forever for this. Yeah. And he's like, no, we can talk about it. She's like, there's nothing left to talk about. And she leaves. She leaves him. And I feel like if I put myself in her position, I don't know how I would react in that situation. I think I was leaning more towards like, please just leave her there. I was definitely leaning in that direction. Definitely. Because it's it's not right, you know, legally. But at the same time, I go back to a statement that Patrick made in the book where 
he's having this conversation with Detective Broussard and why he's talking about how he's against the death penalty. And mm-hmm. he says, I don't trust society to make those judgments, to make the right call on the death penalty. So here we are, another societal construct, which is, you know, this custody thing. Yeah. Who but is he, a fit mother or what makes a fit mother? Right. So he's like, I don't trust, but you trusted enough to send this child back to just hell. Right. Mm-hmm. So the book and the movie end the same way in regards to like the daughter goes back to her mother. And. <sighs> well, and there's, there's one interesting departure in the movie. Mm-hmm. In the movie, we see Patrick go to visit Helene as she's getting ready for a date. Amanda's sitting on the couch watching TV. Same thing in the book. Yep. Yep. He asks her who's going to watch Amanda. And she says, Dottie, or she'll find out in like five minutes when I ask her mm-hmm. or when I drop Amanda off or whatever. And in the movie, he offers to stay and watch Amanda. Yep. Or she in asks, the- like, unless you want to stay with her. And he's like, all yeah. right. Yeah. In the book, he's like, who's going to watch her? She's like, Dottie. Does Dottie know? Uh, well, she'll find out in about five minutes. He's like, I'm and go. he's he's like, okay, bye. Bye, Amanda. And then just walks out. Well, I think it's more like he, I wouldn't say it's as upbeat. He has this moment of like. No, I, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to make it sound like he's super upbeat. He understands that it's a shitty situation and he feels bad for the kid. But at the same time, how much more can he possibly involve himself? Yeah. He can't be responsible for this girl growing up and trying to be a functional member of society and make up for all the sins of her mother. He, he can't do that. Yeah. The only thing I can hope for in this situation is that, you know, she's still there near her uncle and her aunt. So somebody's well, her looking uncle's, out her. her uncle's in, in jail. Oh yeah. So. Oh yeah. That's right. And <laughs> but, then the aunt moved away in the movie. Yeah. She says that she won't let, um, what's her face B anywhere near her and B won't talk yeah. to her and stuff like that. But they don't really make that statement in the book. It makes it seem like B is still maybe do, uh, somewhere. No, she does. Yeah. Uh, oh, the yeah. mother does say like, no, I don't let her. It, the, the dialogue's almost the same. Yeah. But yeah. So it's, it's one of those just really gray moral lines where like, I know that legally this is wrong, but if we're looking at it, from the perspective of the child, like let her be happy. And then Patrick's like, no, but what about the rights of the mother? And this is where I'm like, fuck the mother. Like, <laughs> I'm like, if you're this, this unfit, no, but you know mm-hmm. what? I'm not going to get into anything political or, or controversial here, but the way this story played out in this situation, I, I really would have preferred them to just leave her where she was and not bring her back to the mother. Oh yeah. Because her mother is one of those people who never grew up. She is still the selfish, maybe preteen that she was years ago, mm-hmm. but now she's older and she has a kid and she's only thinking about herself. And I mean, I've done the single mother thing. Mm-hmm. Guess what came first to me? My child. Yeah. You have to. Yep. 
Man, this is a depressing episode. <sighs> okay. Let's bring it up a little bit, a few levels, with our reviews. Ugh. You go first, Shaggy. <laughs> okay. So I had seen the movie before, many, many years ago. And I did enjoy the movie. So I said that before I read the book, I would have given the movie about a six or a seven out of 10. Mm. After reading the book, however, and mind you, I did watch the movie first, then I read the book. The entire time I was reading the book, I was thinking to myself, who is this? Where did this come from? Yeah. Why wasn't this in the movie? You're like, this seems important. <laughs> Please explain this to me. Uh, so at the risk of spoiling Mel's review or whatever, I'm going to mm-hmm. have to give the movie a one out of 10. I think it was <laughs> poorly handled. They they left a lot of stuff out that was extremely important. They tried to mush some things together, like the, the Kimmy and uh, We Dave uh, dying, and then all of a sudden oh, yeah. it's... In in the movie or whatever, I don't know. So weird. Um, yeah. So one out of ten on the movie. A uh, book, I would say a three point five out of five, maybe even a four out of five. Okay. Uh, just because I do appreciate the detail that Dennis Lehane put into it. It was very well written. I think it is definitely not a subject matter that I normally gravitate towards, mm-hmm. but for the podcast because we decided to do it. Uh, I'm kind of with Mel thinking that I kind of feel like I want to go what, read the other books. Right. Yeah. I want to I, yeah. I later. Yeah. But later I mean, at the same time, though, and, and that's one thing that's very annoying to me reading series. Uh, you get into the later books in the series and they feel the need to reiterate things that happened yeah. in the previous books to an annoying degree. I don't really feel like that kind of happened in this book. I didn't really get that feeling. I haven't read the other books, so I'm not sure how annoying. Yeah. Like we might just it. not know. Yeah. We might be ignorant yeah. to what's being retold, but as Jackie's absolutely right. Cause when Jackie and I read series, we like, we binge series. So we're talking like back to back to back to back. Like I, I just read this book yesterday. I don't need you to tell me what happened in it. But yeah. we have to remember that usually there's a year to two years between books when they come out. Yeah. So maybe somebody needs a reminder. Yeah. All but right. I think I think I think the author did a very good job with this. And I and I'm actually trying to force my husband to read this series oh, because yeah? I think he would enjoy it. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, this sounds like it's a good a good series for sure. I'm gonna well, and what, one of one other thing, sorry, Mel. One other thing is I strongly, strongly, strongly believe that this is kind of a Jack Reacher situation. I think that this book would have made a much better TV series than a movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Even if it's just a mini series, like with, mm-hmm. and then there were none. Because so, there's just a lot of detail you need to get through. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Um, I also agree with Jackie's rating. I'm going to give it like a 3.5-ish. I think I'm leaning more to the 3.5 than a 4. Um, and that's just because there is a lot of detail, but there are some parts where there just seemed like there was a lot going on. And maybe because we're reading book four out of a series, I just felt a little bit lost on certain things. I don't know if that's the reason. Um, but I followed it. It was engaging. I, I did enjoy it, but I'm about 3.5. And the movie is a one out of 10. It's a dumpster fire. I, I honestly don't even know if I'd like this movie without reading the book. I, 
because I, I'm an attention to detail type person and easily distracted. You know how those two, just, they're like, they're like oil and water. So <laughs> you, you need to do at least one of them right. And this did neither of them right. It did not keep my attention. And then when I was trying to hyper-focus on details, it just didn't make any fucking sense. So dumpster fire. Which brings us into, you know, we read and we watched, so you don't have to DNF. Uh, so I think Jackie and I both agree that if this story sounds like something you want to dive into, read it. And maybe definitely just read, read it. it. Yeah. That movie, oh my fucking God. No, don't do it. Especially, especially if you read the book or have read the book, don't watch it. Mm-hmm. Just save yourself an hour and 45 minutes and go do you something. You will else. be disappointed guarantee it yeah yeah this is one of those where the book has absolutely ruined the movie don't do it which is why i don't understand that one review that i found where they said they read the book and they watched the movie and they enjoyed them both i don't understand that were you paying attention to anything that person does not know what they're talking about not that we judge reviews but shut up I'm sure you're a lovely person, but you really need to put the phone down and actually pay attention to the movie. Yeah, they they actually didn't watch the movie. They just like maybe they like Casey Affleck or something. They're like, oh, this is good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's book two down in Mystery May: Gone Baby Gone by Dennis Lane. Um, good book, good book. It's no Agatha Christie though, so the bar definitely was set high. Next week we are doing. Sharp Objects by Jillian Flynn, who is the author of Gone Girl. Uh, I have actually already finished the series on what is HBO, HBO series. Yeah. And the book, Jackie is starting to work on it now. I have lots to say. Lots I can't to wait. Say next week. I cannot yeah. wait. And actually, Jackie and I, uh, we're going on a little mini vacation next weekend. It's so a mini break. It's a mini break. So we might be recording a day or two late, but we will definitely try to get it out on Wednesday for sure. Yep. Next week, Sharp Objects, really sort of we're going up into the Ozarks type mystery. Um. <laughs> How do you really feel, Mel? Oh, God, Missouri. <laughs> Missouri? No, offense, no, no offense to anyone that is in or from Missouri and loves it. I've just, the time that I've ever spent there has just never been good. And We're Sharp Objects did. you, Danny. Oh, yeah. In the St. Louis area. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. All right. There we go. Until next time, guys. Bye. Bye.